I have enjoyed this journey that we are on of seeing what exactly it is step by step that Jesus is going on in his life and ministry and what he does and the order he does things in and how Mark presents that to us. It culminates, of course, in the very first chapter, verse 15. At this point, it's got to be underlined in your Bible. It's got to be highlighted. It's got to be right there. You've got to know it. Verse 15, now is the time, Jesus says, here comes God's kingdom. Here comes God's kingdom. And the rest of the book is, here's what it looks like when God's kingdom shows up. And Jesus is baptized, and he deals with Satan and, and, and the enemy in the wilderness. He proclaims the good news. He builds his team. He's picking out disciples now and, and followers. He confronts the, the demons and evil. He, he heals the sick. He makes the unclean clean. He forgives sins, and he, he even heals the paralytic who drops down out of the ceiling. And now, as he's demonstrated authority to forgive sins, well, now what happens? Boy, it just continues on. And we are in chapter 2, and we're going to meet someone the world has labeled. The world has named someone this morning, and it's right here in the story. In Mark chapter 2, I'm going to start with verse 13. Jesus went out beside the lake again. The whole crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he continued along, he saw Levi, Alphaeus' son, sitting at a kiosk for collecting taxes. Jesus said to him, follow me. Levi got up and followed him. Jesus sat down to eat at Levi's house. Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples. Indeed, many of them had become his followers. When some of the legal experts among the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why is he eating with sinners and tax collectors? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. I didn't come to call righteous people, but sinners. John's disciples and the Pharisees had a habit of fasting. Some people asked Jesus, why do John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples fast, but yours don't? Jesus said, the wedding guests can't fast while the groom is with them, can they? As long as they have the groom with them, they can't fast. But the days will come when the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one sews a piece of new, unshrunk cloth on old clothes. Otherwise, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and makes a worse tear. No one pours new wine into old leather wineskins. Otherwise, the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine would be lost, and the wineskins destroyed. But new wine is for new wineskins. The word of the Lord this morning brings up a topic of outsiders, outsiders. And let me ask you today, have you ever felt like an outsider? Have you ever, have you ever been made to feel like an outsider? Our world today has ways in which people can be grouped or categorized, or as we make groups or categories of people, as we collect in groups, sometimes people are left out. They are marginalized or pushed aside. And I'm not even talking necessarily about popularity, although that's one example, but even at a young age, kids will go to great lengths just to fit in. They don't want to feel like an outsider. They don't want to feel like they don't belong. They just want to feel like they fit in, just be normal, not be weird or odd or different. 
And this is why peer pressure can be so overwhelming sometimes. Everybody else is doing it. I would be the weird one if I didn't. I'd be the different one. I'd be the outsider. And I'd like to say that we leave these ideas behind when we grow up, but even as adults, you know, have you ever been made to feel like an outsider? Or have you ever made someone else feel like an outsider? And sadly, we do this, even without thinking about it sometimes. And what happens is those who are pushed to the outside, pushed to the margins, who are somehow not included in the group, in the in crowd, well, what happens is those who have been pushed to the outside in their past sometimes respond by creating their own group, their own insider group. And now have they have their own insider group and others are pushed to the outside and now it's a cycle. And the ability to identify who is in and who is on the outside becomes something that we teach to the next generation, not purposefully But it's what they observe, what the next generation observes. And what makes someone an outsider? And I could say there are countless examples of that. And I hesitate to list most of them because, you know, they might be triggering this morning. But the type of clothes you wear might group you or disclude you, exclude you. Maybe it's the part of town you live in, the type of work you've done or the type of work you've never done. How you voted in the last election, your level of education or lack of education, the way you talk, even the sports teams you follow, we we group, we group, and you're on the outside or you're on the inside, depending on all these types of factors. Our society today loves to label who is in and who is out. And I'll throw one more example at you, tax collector. The tax collector in first century was not a popular person, okay? Because, and there's some context here, it's not like taxes today where, you know, April 15th comes around, all right, you pay your taxes and, and whatever. And that's fine. And I, I got to say, I love, I don't know, roads, schools, <laughs> things that come about because taxes. We, we, the, even the kids mentioned uh, first responders, I like it if my house is burning down that I can call somebody and they'll come and, and put it out. Those are good things. And, and taxes are, you know, a proper place in society today. But that is not exactly what it was like back in these biblical times that we're reading today. Because what had happened is the Roman Empire came into town. And the Roman Empire was the bully. They were the conquering empire And when the Romans came into town, they were very different from other conquering empires. Other conquering empires, you come in and you kill everybody and you claim their property, claim their land, claim their treasures, all their wealth. You just wipe them out and now you you get to be in that land. You've conquered it. But what Rome would do is as they would invade, they would not just wipe everybody out. No, they would conquer in a way that would say, hey, you people, you Jews, or, you know, whatever place they conquered, they didn't just conquer Israel, they conquered a lot of places. But as they would come in, they would say, hey, you group of people right here, we only have two rules for you. One is keep the peace, uh, don't fight back, you know, submit to Rome, so keep the peace here, and pay your taxes to Rome. And if you stay quiet, don't revolt, don't make, ne- don't make a noise, don't, don't make a mess, 
if you can live peacefully under our rule, and if you pay your taxes to Rome, then you come under the protection of Rome. It's called the peace, the, the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. And that's how Rome built its empire and how they were able to spread so far across the known world is because they conquered, but they, they didn't just wipe everybody out. Now they have people groups living under them. And even Rome would say, you can worship your God. You can sacrifice your, you can, you, whatever you want religiously. That's fine. But April 15th comes, you better pay up. And you better not make too much noise. And as we go through, we're going to see time and time again how Jesus is, he doesn't, uh, certainly doesn't, it's not a call to violence, but he's doing something that's disrupting the peace is what he's accused of. And he's doing something that upsets the status quo, and Rome doesn't like it. Even the religious leaders who have come under the banner of Rome are getting upset about that as well. And so you got to pay your taxes, you got to keep the peace, and if you do those things, you will fall under Rome's protection. Now, here's the problem. Rome kept the peace by keeping a sword to your neck. <laughs> it does not sound like a very peaceful approach. Is it really peace when you're not being violent because you've got a gun to your head or a sword to your neck? And then the taxes went to Caesar. And Caesar claimed to be God. He, Caesar claimed to be a god. And so God's people, the Israelites, the, the, the Jews here, they followed the law, the, the Moses' commandment. The, the, and the, the Ten Commandments, what's the first one? Have no, no other gods before me. Have no other gods. And yet Rome is coming in and saying, not only is Caesar a god, but you have to give an offering to him. You have to regularly give to this false god. How shameful that was, how difficult that was. It was Rome intentionally making God's people violate the first of their commandments. So this was more than just grumbling about tax day. This was a forced offering to a false god. And then the final problem is Rome had people like Levi. Verse 14. Levi would go around and he would collect the tax. And Levi... This, this, this is what hurt so much. Levi wasn't from Rome. He wasn't a Roman citizen. He didn't come from Rome. Levi was a Jew. He was one of God's people. He belonged to the people of God, and yet he aligned himself with Rome and became a tool of Rome against his own people. And I've used this analogy before, but let's, let's imagine uh, you know, China tomorrow invades and you know, a whole bunch of balloons descend or whatever, however they use to invade. And China conquers the land and takes over. And the battle's fierce and the war's bad, but China wins. And, and China shows up and says, okay, you are all now under the uh, Chinese banner and you, um, you must pay taxes. That'll be sent back to Beijing. And they're going to be heavy taxes and they're, they're going to go to you and, and, and say, all right, it's time for you to pay taxes. That'll go to your conquering rulers, China. And as you pay taxes, we'll, 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 pick, we'll pick out a few of you. And who wants to volunteer? Who wants to go around to their neighbors and collect the taxes? I would say I would not respond kindly to that request. <laughs> I would not do well wanting to, being demanded that my money would be sent to a conquering foreign power. I wouldn't do it. Do you think our community would do well with that? I, I don't think so. And this is Levi, the tax collector. And this is how he was viewed as some people, a, a traitor, a sellout, someone who is assisting the enemy. 
And how would you treat someone like that? How would I treat someone like that? Oh, at the very least, they're an outsider. They are not a part of what is going on here. They have made their choice. They have aligned themselves with the enemy. They're no longer one of us. So how would Jesus treat someone like that? I know how I would treat somebody like that. How would Jesus treat someone like that? And we see in verse 14, Jesus comes along and he extends an invitation. As he continued along, he saw Levi, Alphaeus' son, sitting at a kiosk collecting taxes. The sin was actively being committed. (laughs) And Jesus said to him, follow me. Levi got up and followed him. And I can't blame the Pharisees these days. I, I can't, man, well, the Pharisees, I think they get it right on this one almost. It's almost like, yeah, this is how I would respond to. Jesus goes on, verse 16, you know, he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. What, what, what are you doing? The Pharisees are calling out, these are outsiders. What, what is Jesus doing here? And I think, I think this is where I want to bring us. This is the time for the weekly pop quiz, okay? What is the one statement that sums up to the entire Gospel of Mark? Okay, we're going to have to work on it. Now is the time, verse 17. Here comes God's kingdom. Now is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. Mark 1, 17. And when God's kingdom comes in, we see what happens. The kingdoms of this world knew exactly what to do with Levi the tax collector. Rome knew what to do with Levi the tax collector. Okay, the Jews, let's, he's an outcast. He has turned on us. Rome says, oh, we can use him. Here's one. He's shady. He, he's willing to turn on his people. Let's get him. But what did Jesus do? The kingdom of God does something very different with outsiders. Jesus offers an invitation to follow. An invitation to follow. And thankfully, Levi responds. But I, I want to point something out here. Notice that Jesus does not walk up and say, hey, glad to see you. You're a good person, Levi. And the way you're living your life right now, I'm proud of you. You're okay. Don't listen to the haters. Don't listen to the naysayers. He does not see Levi's actions, his past, and say, it's okay for you to do what you're doing. I'm just going to excuse that. You're all right. You've aligned yourself with the bully empire of Rome. That's fine. Just keep doing what you're doing, Levi. You're okay. Lord bless you anyway. No, Jesus does not accept a sinful life. And nowhere in the text does he accept a sinful life. I'll give you an example. Tomorrow morning, I have a very important appointment. It is with my friend Cliff Flower. And uh, I need a haircut. And I'm going to go to Cliff, and he's, he's the best barber in Winfield. You go right on Main Street and uh, set up an appointment, and he'll take you, no problem. And I, I, I'm not the best um, to give a testimony for his skills because, you know, it, he, I am not a challenge for his experience and his professionalism, okay? If, if he were to block out a 30-minute time slot for me, he'd have about 23 minutes of free time, you know, once we, once we get done here because it's doesn't take much. But imagine if uh, tomorrow morning I, I come in and sit down in, in Cliff's barber chair and, uh, you know, you know me, I like my, my hair short and it's getting a little longer now and, and it's only getting a little longer in some spots and I don't, let's just mm, let's keep it all short. 
But imagine if I sit down and he throws the, is it a cape? I don't know, what, what, what is the thing that goes all the way around you? It's a Christmas tree skirt you get to wear for a little bit. And, and imagine if, if uh, he just throws that thing around me, he's in the chair, and he looks and says, you know what, Pastor, I can tell your hair's longer than, you, than it should be. You look better with, uh, with short hair. And, and Cliff and, and his expert, and he's just looking over me and says, you know what, Pastor, you need a haircut. And then he takes off the, the cape, throws it aside, and says, all right, Pastor, have a good day. And I never get my haircut, and he sends me on his way. Well, okay, imagine if I go out now, I'm going to cross the street, and oh, Terry and Melody's Donut. Oh, I like that place. All right, I'll go get it. I'm hungry. Go get a donut. I step in there, and they, you know, as I walk in, they look at me. You, you look like a man who needs a donut. Uh, you look hungry. Yeah, I could hear your stomach growling as you came in the door. You are a man who needs a donut. You are hungry today. And I say, you are right. And they say, well, glad, for, glad you came in today. Have a nice day. And they turn me away, send me on my way. Okay, well, I get in my car. I go down the road, and as I'm driving down the road, and Tragedy strikes and boom, flat tire. Just as I cross on the railroad tracks, getting north of town, oh, flat tire, what am I going to do? So I pull in, right there is Dukes. Dukes alignment and tire, they, they'll fix you up real quick. They're great. They've uh, helped us out with our vehicles before. So I come limping in on, on my vehicle to, to Dukes, and they look at me, and they, they look at my car, and you know what? Your tire's low. you got a flat tire. And you know what? We, we got all kinds of tires here, and we got the tools and equipment. You know what? You need a new tire. All right. Have a nice day. And never give you a tire. Well, I'm a man who needed a haircut. I needed a donut. I needed a tire. And all I got was people being nice and just saying, have a nice day. I got professional opinions, I got statements of fact, but I got no help at all. Jesus uses a similar example of going to the doctor. He says in verse 17, healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. I didn't come to call the righteous people, but sinners. You know, the reason Jesus came, he gives it right here. It's the same reason Cliff's got a barbershop set up, because he wants to cut hair. <laughs> The same way they're making donuts to fill some bellies. The same reason you got a bunch of tires at, at Duke's is to fix the, fix the flat tires. We have a world of people who are in need of being saved, and that's what Jesus came to do. And Levi, who was a sinner, met Jesus, and Jesus didn't say, You're doing fine. Yeah, nobody's perfect. Don't listen to the haters. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, try your best, Levi. Be the best traitor you can be. It'll all work out in the end. No, Jesus called him out of a life of sin. Follow me, and Levi followed. Here's where the conflict begins, okay? And I would call this new creation versus old creation. The old ways, which is what the... The Pharisees see, the legal experts see, is, you know what? This guy's a tax collector. These people are sinners. And they will be treated as such. And there's some reason to that. I understand that line of thinking. There are consequences to your actions. You sin, 
there's punishment for that. There are consequences to that. You turn on your people. You represent the Roman Empire, the bully. How dare you? But what happens when the tax collector decides to follow Jesus? Decides to leave behind what he's doing? Decides to what, what Scripture would say is repent. And, 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 and if you go back to verse one, uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 17... Now is the time. God's kingdom is here. What is the very next phrase? Change your hearts and lives. Change your hearts. What happens when the tax collector changes his heart and life instantaneously? What happens when he follows Jesus? According to the Pharisees, nothing. Nothing happens. You still treat him as an outsider as he has always been. He is an outsider today. He will be an outsider tomorrow. But Jesus does not. That Jesus says, you know what, okay, whatever the past, I know your sins, Jesus says, follow me. And the moment that decision is made, Jesus says, it's feast time. (laughs) Come on in. You're no longer an outsider. Paul puts it this way, Wayne read it this morning, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Let's put that back up on the the, uh, screen if we can. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, So then, if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of the new creation. The old things have gone away, and look, new things have arrived. Keep going to the next one. All of these new things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, no. We've been given a task now. Go one more on that slide. In other words, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ. Jesus came to reconcile. He calls out to Levi, I know you're an outsider. Follow me. Change your ways. He didn't count people's sins against them. And what does it happen now? He has trusted us with the message of reconciliation. He has trusted who? Us. The people of God with the message of reconciliation. Hmm, it doesn't say he has trusted us with the message of convicting people, of judging people, of calling out their sins. Hmm, it doesn't say that. It says the message of reconciliation. Okay, that's the difficult way. The easy way is to keep the outsider as an outsider. The one who has messed up, the one who has sinned, the one who has demonstrated some type of selfishness or brokenness or harm towards someone, still on the outside. And I will tell you, for a life that continues to do those things, sure. For a life that does not repent, that does not confess their sins, yeah. But for a life that decides to follow Jesus, to confess, to repent, to change their ways. The kingdom of God demands they are no longer an outsider. They have been forgiven just as we have been forgiven. The moment Levi chooses to follow Jesus, boom, Jesus sits down with him 
and eats. Because the kingdom of God says to the outsider, you do not have to be on the outside anymore. The kingdom of God says to the sinner, you do not have to live a life of sin anymore. And the kingdom of God is a place where the sins of your past do not define the value of your future. So let me give you an example. Uh, It's a fear. A fear that you have been made to be an outsider for so long that you've grown comfortable being on the outside. You say, you know what, I'm fine with it. I prefer it. I'd rather be left alone, in the dark, by myself. No one can hurt me when, when you don't get too close to anybody. Jesus has a seat at the table for you. You belong to his feast. Um, This morning, as I came into church today, I have various responsibilities and things I want to do to get ready for the service. and um, All was disrupted this morning. Because as we walk in and I I get here, I'm one of the first to get here, and then the praise team gets here for their rehearsal before Sunday school, and I heard the flapping of birds' wings. And this has happened before. This is not the first time. It's not a regular thing, and we, you know, our trustees are trying to figure some things out. And but we occasionally have a bird that will sneak into our sanctuary. And this morning was one of those mornings. And so I stood here three hours ago, watching a bird fly around. And so, unfortunately, and again, this is not a regular thing. It's not like we have birds living in, in our building, but somehow they're getting in, and we're working. We've, we've patched up some holes and stuff, but it's, a, it's an ongoing battle, man against nature. And here was this bird. And so we've learned. I, I've learned. Okay, we turn the lights off. I open up the side doors where there is light, and the plan, the hope, is that the bird will go to the light. The bird will fly around, and there are places that the bird can land in here a little bit, and we've done this before. It happened once in church before. You remember that? No, nobody. Yes, of course you remember that. It rattled me to my core (laughs) that we had had a bird flopping around. But you know what? It didn't take long, maybe five minutes or so, of all the lights off and the light from the outside shining in, and that bird identified, okay, here we go, but not this bird. Not the bird this morning. The bird who, I don't know if it didn't apply himself in bird school growing up or just didn't quite get it, but this bird would not get what we're trying to do. And as more people started showing up at church, the effort grew. And we had more people, and and we turned the fans on because it would land on the fans. So, okay, no, turn the fans on. Get the lights off. Open the doors. Okay, they're flying over here. Now he's flying over here. We're throwing tissue boxes and little pillows. And not to hurt the bird. We don't want to hurt the bird. You know what we wanted for the bird? We wanted freedom for the bird. Does the bird want to be in a building? No, bird doesn't want to be in the building. Bird wants to be outside, I think. Let's get the bird outside. I wanted to help the bird. And I'm going to be honest with you today. I just wanted the bird out. <laughs> okay, I got church things to do. I got to, got to get ready for a service. Uh, I, I, okay. But we're at, I don't know, 20 minutes, a half hour, we're at this thing, and this bird is just. And it started to be less about, okay, I have stuff to do, and I don't want to be inconvenienced anymore. It started to be more about this poor bird. This bird was getting exhausted. You could, 
You could see it, it was flying slower. It was flying lower. Its mouth was open and gasping for breath. And I gotta, part of my strategy was, I'm just going to wear you down. <laughs> I'm not going to let you land. I'm not going to let you stay in a place where I know you're not supposed to be and you don't even want to be. The bird wants to be outside. That's where you belong. That's what you were created to be. And I hope you're starting to understand what I think is a pretty strong analogy that I didn't come up with this week, but God dropped it in our lap. Is there are people in this world who desperately need the light of Jesus. And all they're doing is fluttering around in the dark. And they're trying their best they just want to land somewhere and catch their breath. They just want to maybe in survival mode. But this is not what God has for them. And what I want, what I want for people so badly is for them to see the light. And the only thing, I can't, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't jump up and catch the bird. I'm, I'm getting old. I don't have that kind of vertical anymore. I never did, let's be honest. And I thought, I'll catch them with my bare hands. And I thought, birds are icky. <laughs> I just, what? I, I need a butterfly net. I need a, a BB gun went through my head. No, let's, what? how am I going to help this bird? We've got to get this bird some help. We've got to stop it. Here, the only solution I had is I just never stopped trying. I'm going to be persistent, and I'm not going to let this bird rest. I'm not going to provide this for this bird, like I'm not coming in and installing a tree in here. I'm not going to try to manufacture something that's not as good as what it could have. I'm not going to enable this bird by giving it water or food. With every fiber of my being, I picked up a pillow and a Kleenex box. And if it landed up there, I would throw the pillow. And I never threw it directly where I would try to hit the bird. I didn't want to hurt the bird. I just wanted it to keep moving. I just wanted it to be uncomfortable enough. And I'm throwing, and, and eventually, I'd love to tell you, the bird saw the light. And the bird flew out the door and went on. And it was a beautiful day for that bird. It is not what happened. What happened is the bird got so exhausted, so worn out from fluttering around, it eventually just hit the ground. And I walked over, and Izzy was there, and Izzy had, had come in and tried to help, and, and she had a jacket thing on. She gave that to me, and I threw it over top of the bird. And I scooped the bird up, and I gave it to Izzy. Izzy wanted, and we went outside. And she released it, and immediately that bird took off. And very quickly, we closed the door as well. I want so badly for those who are just trying to survive, who feel like they're just in the dark, who are just on their own fluttering around, I want them so badly to see the light. I want to snatch them, smack them upside the head, and throw them to, to Jesus. Do you have someone like that in your life? You want to get a hold of them and you want to shake them. You want to smack them. You, not because you don't love them. 
Not because you want harm for them, no. But because you want to see them understand what it means to receive the new creation. And I'm so thankful that that bird eventually hit rock bottom. <laughs> eventually just wore itself out. We got that bird out. That bird will be fine. I believe there are Levi's in this world. I think, and I want, I'm filling in the blanks now. I don't know. I wonder if Levi made a decision to go along with Rome out of desperation. He had no other hope. But at least he'd get some income. He, he, it would be something to turn on people like that, to turn on his entire family group. Whatever it may be, Jesus is here to say, I have a better way. New creation. And if we go all the way back, back to that verse we, we just read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the ministry of reconciliation is given to who? To us. And I think maybe perhaps our best tool is we will not give up on the outsiders. We will not give up on sinners who are lost. And I don't have the perfect tool that will do it. I don't have the perfect words to say. I don't have the perfect means to grab someone. But you know what I do have? I have this, the Holy Spirit who will provide the timing, who will provide the conviction. I just have to make sure persistently that I'm sharing the message of Jesus Christ. Can we commit today to being persistent for Jesus? Do not give up. Here's the invitation. If you're an outsider today, whether it's because someone has pushed you out or because your own sin or mistakes or whatever, Jesus comes to you and says, follow me. Nothing else matters. Follow him. Or maybe you have tried to push people out or labeled someone. Like the Pharisees, this is how, who they are. This is their past. There's no chance for them. If someone has turned to Jesus, changed their heart and life, that is new creation, and it is our job to express the ministry of reconciliation in their lives. And the result is not fasting. The result is not weeping. It's celebrating in the new kingdom. And no one saw, and this Nazarene pastor, I don't know what about wine and wineskins. I don't, I, I don't know. But I do know you can't put the new stuff in the old thing. Because if you try to go about the old way of thinking, the old way, here's the wrong they have done, there are consequences to that, and that's how they will be for the rest of their life. Old Testament would call it, we are prisoners of hope. We cannot help but hope that others will find the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ, and the moment they do, it is new creation time. And so just, just a moment, we're going to feast. We're going to sit down at the communion table. And Jesus had a spot for Levi. And it's not just Levi. It tells us, uh, you go along, verse 15, many other tax collectors and sinners followed him as well. Jesus got a whole crew of just rowdy people following him now. Praise the Lord. 
And as we receive communion this morning, we receive it humbly knowing that we don't deserve it and we extend it to others as well. Others who have changed their heart and life. And I want us to be persistent. I want our banner and our anthem and our motto and our inspiration to be, I will not give up on the grace of Jesus Christ in your life. Love the hymn, Turn Your Eyes. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Old creation. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory.